This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Welcome to Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we got David. What up, Spook Kids? Spook Kids, also known as Nightly. Other end. Meow, meow, meow. Coming around the corner. Meow, meow, meow. As he comes. Meow. <laughs> we got Freddy. Yeah. Always keeping it spoopy. My guy is back. The I'm biggest back. of warm Welcome welcomes. Back, Welcome back, sir. We are very, very much happy Good to have you back. I'm nervous. Uh, it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Nervous. They'll flutter away. I'm nervous. I'm gonna. Th- no, I'm just kidding. Look at that. It's gone. <laughs> I'm nervous again. <laughs> we are officially all group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So at the lights, sit back, let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? Brought it back. Brought it back. This feels fantastic. I was doing that alone this, uh, for so long. <laughs> I was not here. The listeners were doing it with you. The listeners were doing it with you. Yeah, true. Man, that's cool to be back. Oh, man. We're happy to have you back. Thank you for coming back. I know you hit me up like out of the blue, which is like, hey, I think I could do it. And I'm like, Please really? It. <laughs> so it, it was it's like riding a bike. It was like, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it feels like. Exactly. Well, continuing this month for calls from by the call a priest. We are kicking things off with Mike Flanagan's Ouija Origin of Evil. But before we do that, Let's give a very special shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod. Frank, Kit, Kristen, Laura, Bragalock, Spencer, Legion Podcasts, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Rachel, Alexis, Heather, Johnny, Layla, Sonia, Eric, Kelly, Brenna, Joseph, Daniel, Cheyenne, Carrie, Stu, Brandon, Monica, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, Drew, also known as Silent, also known as our podcast manager, Matt, Andrew, Scary Stuff Podcast, Samantha, Patrick, uh, Willow, Jessica, Erica, Andreas, uh, Haley, Jared, Emily, Petra, Jasmine, Candace, Randy, Scott, uh, Les, Jess, there's so many new names here. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many new names. Oh, geez, Louise. Uh, Chantal, Desiree, 
Well, I have another page. What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, Joseph, Matt, Rio, Mark, Jesse, Joe, Robin, last but not least, Freddie. What? Guys. Seriously, thank you. I, I have to double check. Do thank I have you, the? Do I, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That seriously, truly caught me off guard. I, I two pages. I oh. had to like double check just now. Like, did I have the filters on correctly? Uh, because thank you guys so much. Seriously, that is amazing. I thank y'all. Like, this is great seeing all of everyone support us and and the love that you have all kind of like given the show. Absolutely incredible. So thank y'all so incredibly much for keeping the lights on. Um, a lot of a lot of names there. That was a lot of names. <laughs> a lot of names. So that was awesome. Thank y'all so much. Um, but if you would like to also support us over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod and you're still kind of on the fence about it, that is okay and completely understandable. You can head over to Patreon right now inside our show notes to tr- uh, have a trial for seven days. So you can try out and see which, see if you like it. If you like it, great. Go ahead and keep your patronage. If you are not a fan of it, don't worry about it. Totally fine. We'll catch you on the, on the next episode, which is also fine. You can still listen for free. Um, you just won't have an extra show. And you still have ads. Anyway, besides the point. But, Ouija. Origin of Evil. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. Take it away, Freddy. Oh, man. Yeah, no, um, Ouija Origin of Evil was on my watch list for quite some time now. Uh, as many people of the show know, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah. Um, he's an incredible director, and it was really cool to see an earlier film of his, and I was, like, really excited to watch this movie. And when I started it, and I saw that the old school Universal logo popped up, and like so, like <laughs> old school like um, film tactics were like incorporated in this film. Uh, it gave me kind of vibes of The Conjuring a little bit with James Wan. Fair. And another movie that I fell in love with horror, and that was like the one that really kind of skyrocketed like my love for the genre and all the spooky things in it. And I think it's super well done. It's super well crafted. It felt like a movie. That was um, derived right out of the Haunting of Hell House series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it very felt like the same vibe, the same tone, even the music. Um, I think the Newton Brothers did this as well. Yes. Cool. So, yeah, with the piano and the melody and, like, the creepiness of, like, the kids. Um, and it just works. It works very, very well. Yeah. Um, all of the scares are extremely scary, too. I love the tactic that they use with, um, I, don't, I don't know what it's called, but the thing that moves on the board and using the the hole to actually look to see if there's, like, demons oh, or the planchette. Around. The planchette. That's what it's sure. called. Yeah. That's a great name. The planchette. planchette. Mm-hmm. But the use of that and being able to see very little on screen and building the suspense off that and then just seeing something in the shadows and then moving away. Uh, it's very effective. And I think Mike Flanagan, even though he said that he doesn't really like uh, jump scares, and he talked about that when he did The Midnight Club, of how he has the episode with the the most jump scares in an episode, um, I think he's very effective at, uh, at it. And it's not cheap. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff that's right in your face. Um, there is a piece of dialogue the little girl says to like the potential boyfriend about <laughs> choking. And I'm just like, that was probably one of the scariest scenes there. And it's very descriptive, and we'll talk about it. But I'm like, this movie knows what it's doing, and it does it very, very well. I went on Twitter after watching that scene, and had to, and I had to like tweet about like that was one of my favorite monologues from Mike Flanagan's oh, sure. work because it, it's, it's haunting. It's, it's because so it's coming from scary. a child too. Yes, it's so, like 
Oh, not only child actress. Yeah, Lulu Wilson. Not only she was also in Hill House as well. There you go. Um, Oh, that's right. That's where I see her. Yeah, she was in Annabelle as well. Speaking on that monologue, right? Not only is it coming from a child, but it's coming from the perspective, seemingly, of someone that has died from it before. Right. Right. Right? Yes. So. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. This movie fucking rules. This movie fucks. This movie. Uh, definitely a, a bit of a change of pace from the last film we watched for sure, which is interesting because uh, the last film that we covered was The Possession, obviously. But uh, the previ- the writers were the uh, writers of the previous Ouija, which was just Ouija. Um, so kind of exciting <laughs> to, to get this perspective from Mike Flanagan. And I remember when this movie was promoted... Um, and I did see this in theaters, and um, I remember a lot of people not liking it that much. Oh, dare um, Yeah, I, you know, I was saying the same thing. I was like, "This movie's pretty dope." I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I, uh, is it a little CG heavy? I will agree there. Yes, it is a bit CG heavy. Um, I don't think so. But I, I think it is. I, it I, is. I but think it's, it's not... dated more than it yeah. being heavily yeah. used. I'll say that. I think but. they're. There's some good use of practical. I, I actually now that I'm thinking about it, like you're you're probably speaking on a lot of the expressions, right? Yeah, the mouth drops yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it still works. It does look dated. Yeah, but um, also the eyes. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I love some of the eye work in this movie. Yeah, um, he does such a great job with camera movement mm-hmm. and when to like keep the camera still. And one of my favorite shots is when it has like the little girl sitting on the couch, and it's like. Uh, the bouquet effect is on her, so you yeah, don't really yeah. see it. It's not clear, right. but then her eyes change, so you can know that her eyes were rolled back, but you don't notice it immediately until it changes back. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, that's creepy as fuck." Um, You're talking but, about for, with the boyfriend, right? Or when he was like, just m- like kneeled over, and she was behind him talking to him, and she's like, <laughs> "No, this is when she was just sitting on the couch watching TV." There's a lot her of moments where she's right, in right, the that's background, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's something that's like. It's such a small detail, and you don't need it to have it in the movie because it has nothing to do with the plot. Sure. It just shows how scary yeah. the possession of her, like, being in there in the house and stuff like that. Hell of a possession, too. Yeah. Hell of a possession. I mean— A powerful one, too. Very. Yeah. I I love this movie. Like, it, it, it's just—it it is so much fun. I think it's definitely—I re-rank my Mike Flanagan uh, rewatch and all that stuff. I have them every year. And um, it was nice to kind of get this one out of the way just because every time I get to this one, it's after I've watched most of his newer stuff. Mm -hmm. And this one gets, I I feel like, underappreciated based off of his newer things like Hill House and things like that because he's he's the only director I know who just gets better and better and better. Totally. And it like keeps going. (laughs) Not only that, but like this movie is a prime example of like he is really good at his craft, right? Yeah. And he has been. And he likes he's, to learn. Yeah, and he's still getting better. Um, I love this movie as well. Um, you know, a lot of... There are moments that you brought up where I thought like, oh, some of this might seem a little dated, but then I quickly shifted back in my mindset of it and thought, no, this is just creepy and scary. Right. And it's yeah. still getting the job done. And I think, especially as horror fans, right? We're trying... We may look at it through a perspective of like, okay, we've moved past this, right, already. Mm-hmm. And uh, doing this today might seem a little dated, but 
ultimately, if you just take it for what it is, yeah. um, a very horrific story, um, it's it gets the job done, and I think it does a really good job at it. Um, there are so many moments in here that are just genuinely creepy because one thing that I was... So many. <laughs> yeah. There was, while I was watching this, this is my second time watching this. I think I mm. may have watched it in theaters. I don't remember. But as I was watching it the first hour, I thought to myself, man, I hate that I've seen this before because th- there are moments that I remember this is so eerie. This is so impactful because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And because I have the context of what's going to happen, I think... Maybe this is only good for a first-time watch-through. But I get to the point where you have um, Father Hogan come comes to the house and shit ramps up. And that was when I thought, no, it still holds up for multiple views because it it's just good horror, right? It's so good. Yeah. It, 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 it's so good. It's so much fun. It, and... It it has that buildup that feels warranted. It feels like sure. like it's necessary, and and it and it and it's done so artfully, in my opinion, as well. And you know, the thing about I was I was uh, before we started recording, I mentioned that I wanted to watch Ouija, the previous one, because of this one, um, because there is a, an end credit scene um, uh, at the end of this film as well. And it had me re wanted to, uh, rewatch Ouija. So I started it. I got like 30 minutes in. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so drastically different and it's weird that it's that drastically different, but it's, 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 she's the niece of, uh, Lena. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because, mm. um, I was thinking about how I was going to open up with my thoughts on this episode. And I was thinking about saying, man, I like this movie so much. It makes me like the first one. <laughs> but I I remember nope. <laughs> watching the first one when this second movie wasn't even out yet. Right? Yeah, right. Um, me too. And I r- barely remember it, but I remember enjoying it. And I loved this one even more because seeing them in the same house in the 70s, yeah. right? It was... That's great. Yeah, like that, going, going back and like seeing the house again totally. in a more modern the like origins, like that right? That was great. Yeah, that was great. Nowadays, you see that a lot in storytelling, but back in 2016, I feel like you rarely got that, and it was to me very impressive to see that Flanagan is over here taking that first movie that a lot of people didn't like and creating a fantastic story from it, and it's very Flanagan, like even to today's standards of his work, right? Where you have like Marcus, the 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 entity that's evil, and yeah. how practical the costuming is, and having very distinct features, right? I love, I love why Marcus is evil too. Yeah, like it's just a vengeful ghost. Yeah, yeah. like that's great to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> and you see a lot of like apparitions in the background around corners, still very mm-hmm. Flanagan, right? Haunting of Hill House and so on, Bly Manor. Um, it's crazy that you can still see his his artistic touch on this movie, even though, you know, in three years, it's going to be 10 years old. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is great. Um, I was really worried that I wasn't going to like it again because, sure, that's fair. you know, it's been so long since I've seen it. And yeah. and uh, I still very Super much enjoy it. Yeah, Super I love it. Let's jump into this shit though, Let's man. Let's do it. 
Ouija, Origin of Evil, or is it Ouija? Who knows? Uh, directed by Mike <laughs> Flanagan, released October 21st, 2016, with a runtime of one hour and 39 minutes and a budget of $9 million to $12 million and a box office of $81.7 million. It was probably this film right here that got him the rights to have Doctor Sleep, which is fucking great. Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, but like, there's a he's definitely done. I think it was two more films after this. Hill House was after of Doctor Uh, Sleep, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, But uh, yeah, but rating of 83 percent on Rotten Tomatoes as we open to Madame Xander's fortune teller's home in L.A. during 1967. We briefly move around the house to the title shot. Alice Xander closes the curtains to her fortune telling room with her suckers. I mean, clients, Uh, Ginny and Mr. Browning, Ginny also being Mike Flanagan's wife. Mm-hmm. Kate Siegel shouts outs to her, uh, letting them know that it, it is time to begin. She lights a candle inside of a cabinet before shutting it. Alice sits down, asking the widowed husband that his wife, uh, what his wife's name is. He answers Mary. She begins her calling on to the spirits. Ginny humors all of this, even though she's skeptical. Alice continues inviting Mary into the circle. Nothing happening at first. Ginny is annoyed, telling her father not to give her their money. The table immediately shakes as Alice whispers Mary's name. The cabinet door opens up behind them, causing them to look back in shock, except for our fortune teller. Without looking back, she asks Mary to blow out the candles as a sign. The flame goes out, causing Mr. Browning to (gasps) gasp. (laughs) She lights the match, welcoming Mary as she lights the candles on the table, uh, granting them three questions. Jenny tests her. Why just three questions? Alice ignores the sarcastic question, instructing Mary to allow the flame to burn for yes, blowing the candle out for no. She allows Browning to ask his question. He wonders if she's in pain anymore. The flame to the candle blows out. Alice commenting that she is no longer in pain, confirming that she died of cancer. Continuing that she's young and beautiful forever. This causes Browning to smile and sob as he continues his next question, asking for forgiveness. The flame flickers, that meaning yes, as she asks for Browning's forgiveness in return. Jenny doesn't understand how she's doing this, but it isn't quite... She isn't quite buying into it, breaking the circle and causing the table to yet again shake. Alice demands her not to break the circle. Jenny grunts that anyone can shake a table with their knee as they both look past the curtain in shock and fear. There's a silhouette of a woman behind the curtain, Alice letting them know that she won't be there much longer, wanting him to ask his last question. The shadow waves their hand as he immediately asks his question about their daughter, claiming that she's seeing a man named Don and they are asking him for a lot of money, but he has his he has the, to mortgage the house so he can afford it. Jenny tells him not to ask the question, but he continues that Don claimed that he will marry her if they invest and uh, and the investment turns out right. No answer. He looks at the candle and it goes out. Ginny crying out that this is a scam, not knowing how Alice is doing this. The shadow screams and reaches toward them, causing all the candles to go out and them to go- them to fall out of their chairs. Alice turns on the light as Ginny tries catching her breath. They help Browning up from the ground as he grunts in pain. 
Right off the bat, we got a beautiful mm. opener here. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It's a very strong scene. Very strong scene. We're really getting the, the characteristics of what this family does mm-hmm. initially. And it's great. It's great to see how this family interacts with each other and how they kind of stick out for each other, too, without sticking up for each other. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, it, was, it was pretty great. Um, it, but it, I love this opener. Yeah, it's really cool to get... You know, the horror diving in within, like, the first couple of minutes in the movie. Because normally, uh, and you, we don't see it so much so anymore, but normally in in decades prior, you would have to wait maybe, like, an hour into the movie to get your scares, right? Right. Um, but we're opening it with it here, even though it's a... It's a fraud. Exactly. It's right. a scam, right? But, like, for the audience, they I'm sure they very much feel it, and it's it's enticing. Yeah, and I, and it's great because it, it's like a, uh, in a way, it's it's a double scam, right? Like, they're scamming the audience out of the scare, where it's just like, yeah. ah, it was fake, everyone. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so that, that's, so uh, that's really nice. It's very effective. Yeah, it's very effective. It's a I very mean, scary imagery of, like, the wife being behind the curtains right. and raising the hand and then jumps at you and you don't know. That scared uh, the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that scared the shit out of me. I figured like, you know, I, I always, like I said, I always watch this film towards the end of my Mike Flanagan, uh, reruns. Um, and this is the one I, I typically ignore the most. So for mm. me to actually pay more attention this time around, um, like I did back when I've watched it in theaters, this shit scared me. I was like, yeah. Oh shit. It got me. I think it does a really good job with character development too. It's such an easy oh, way yes. to put it into the story of showing, all right, this is what they do. This is how effective they are. They're masters at what they do, but it also shows the morality of how they are uh, seeing the situation. Right. So mm-hmm. essentially they are kind of like scammers. They're actually like trying to find a way to make a business. But at the same time, the mom perfectly explains we do this to help people. Right. And then the reason why we do get that jump scare, we find out, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is that she knows that that person is bad and she doesn't want um, that her dad to get scammed out of the money. Yeah, definitely. So it shows like, hey, yeah, we're doing something that's kind of shady, but we're trying to do it for the right reasons. And if we see a right reason to do something even scarier, we're going to do that as well. Right. It just shows how good that they are with their setup and everything like that, too. Very true. So it's cool. It's cool to see a lot of different layers about these characters almost immediately within, what is this, 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Fuck. That's crazy. awesome. Good. As they're leaving her house, she apologizes to him that the spirit world can be unpredictable. He comments that Mary sounded angry. She claims that it is hard to explain. He is about to pay her, thanking her for her time. She doesn't accept his payment, allowing him to have a takeaway to focus on the loving words. He's not so sure as he heads back into his car, driving off with Jenny. And he's like, he's fucking spooked. Like He's just like, <laughs> like poor guy. Uh, but I had to look up because she, she, it was $5 is, yeah. is what she charged. I had to look it up just now to see how much that was uh, today. in 1967 as it's worth today. It's about 45 bucks. Oh, damn. That's not bad. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty, that's pretty expensive. I mean, to talk to like lost loved ones. Yeah, exactly. There's so no like, on that. that's, that's a deal. Good. That's a pretty good deal uh, <laughs> to be lied to. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, closure and peace. Of sure, course, why yeah, not? That, and that's pretty much how she was able to find a rectifying moment for herself. Right, that. it's just like yeah, I yeah. could do this because I'm giving people peace. 
Alice comes back into the house yelling at her daughter Paulina about the scare tactic. Demanding for her to get uh, get into the seance room, Paulina comes into the room claiming that she deserved it because she was trying to steal her dad's money. She reminds her daughter that it is not the, it is their job to comfort them, not to judge them. She continues putting things away in the room, reprimanding Paulina about her actions. She opens up the chest with her other daughter, Doris, inside. Doris apologizes that she got scared when she heard screaming, not meaning to knock things down. Alice opens up to her table trying to fix something retorting that it is it was unacceptable but paulina is not sorry for what she did because that lady was quote a real bitch i mean which i'm not sorry (laughs) (laughs) she checks her mom's shoe with the mechanism on it doris asks what what a scam is they look at her alice turns around uh, or turns toward her explaining that a scam is a lie but they don't lie uh they help uh, they help people by giving them closure and peace, but not without showmanship, telling them uh, telling them the truth, but helping them believe it. Interesting. I like that way. I like that outlook. Paulina rolls her eyes as Doris accepts it. She tells her mother that they need to spice this up because the routine is getting quite stale. Wondering why her mother blew out the last candle if they also aren't supposed to judge. Alice shakes her head um, that they aren't perfect, agreeing that she was a real bitch anyway. Both of her kids chuckle. Later that evening, Doris fell asleep to, uh, to a movie about Lizzie Borden. What the fuck? I didn't notice that this is what the movie that they were watching was about Lizzie Borden. You guys know who Lizzie Borden is? No. I do not. Okay, Lizzie Borden is, uh, it's it's actually a very famous um, tale. It's real. It really happened. But uh, it's this woman who uh, pretty much killed her whole, like, family with an axe. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lizzie She's Borden. She's falling asleep to it. Yeah. <laughs> she fell asleep to it. It yeah. was just like... Damn. Watching Lizzie Borden. Um, I think it was mainly like she killed her husband because she fell in love with um their maid. And I think that's that's what it was about. Because she fell in love with the maid or he yeah, fell? she fell in love okay. with the maid. Um which the maid was a woman as well, obviously. <gasps> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's like in the eighteen hundreds. So it was like extra risque. Yeah. <laughs> Alice strokes her head to uh to wake her up. Doris requests for 10 more minutes, but she doesn't allow her since the school night. They head off to bed, leaving us with a family photo of them with their late father. Doris, uh, to her dad, um, excuse me, Doris tells her, um, tells her dad for him to send them some money so she can buy a new skirt, because a kid named Terry is picking on her due to it. Alice somberly smiles as Doris completes her prayer. Doris wonders why her mother doesn't pray anymore. She questions Doris, but she notices that she used to do it with her dad all the time, and now she doesn't. She reminds her that she that she's supposed to talk to God about praying, but Doris would rather speak to her dad, even though he never answers back, wondering why people that quote-unquote help get responses, but they don't. Alice reasons that that just... Be- Excuse me. Uh, um, Alice reasons that it's just because she can't hear him doesn't mean that he's not there. She goes to check on Paulina, the, but the door is locked. She calls out to her mom, asking what she needs as she's all dolled up. <laughs> she is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> Alice shares that she's uh, she's just wanting to say goodnight. Paulina, who I'm now going to refer to as Lena, as they refer to her in the film, tells her goodnight before climbing out of her bedroom window to go to a party but it's not really a party it's just kind of like a hangout it's like four people i want to add um back when we have alice speaking with doris 
Oh, yeah. There's a line that she says where she tells Doris, didn't, uh, like, the priest or the father tell you to pray to God and not right. to pray to people? Yeah. And I feel like that is such a underrated strong line because you— it becomes personal to a lot of uh, like audience members because I'm sure there are many people that pray to past loved ones or so. Mm-hmm, um, but it it kind of creates that foreshadowing, that like uh, food for thought of like, oh, like if you're praying to something and those prayers may be misdirected, you could right. be feeding something or inviting something in. Exactly. So I think um, that line is so powerful. And I think it could also like make... Um, viewers feel vulnerable um right and i think that is really important with stories about horror that you kind of uh engross yourself in part of it yeah right? absolutely yeah yeah no, that makes like total builds sense. the world and like the rules of yeah. like what's like what's happening in totally this world yeah like that too and I there's agree. a lot of rules that are set in this movie which is kind of cool to see too yeah i see how yeah. it's played out because yeah. Every rule that's part of like Ouija that they talk about, they kind of technically break. Yeah, all the rules are broken. It's just like, damn, that's what happens. Follow the rules when you play games. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and Doris breaks breaks like one of the most important ones, right? Never play alone. Yep. Right. Immediately. Or I mean, no one says goodbye. Actually, that's true. No one says goodbye. But if you think about it, Alice broke the rule first, jumping ahead, right? She played alone first first, and it affected Doris. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Should have read them. Cheaters. <laughs> Cut to her games. <laughs> Should have followed them. <laughs> Cut to her knocking on the door to her friend's house. Um, her friend Ellie answers the door, commenting about how uh, how it took or excuse me, commenting about how it took her so long. Betty greets Lena. Mikey gets up, calling her a nickname, Lena Lena Bobina, telling her to grab a coffee cup. She takes off her jacket, joking about it being late for caffeine. Ellie chuckles that her mom leaving the alcohol out and how her mom isn't going to (laughs) be back for a while. This whole scene is so fucking funny to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously, we'll get to it, but... But it, she was the, the person who plays Betty was perfect, <laughs> and I wish she was more in this movie. Her eyes, though, super like wide the whole time. That's what was scaring me. <laughs> Betty, it's fake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Alice is looking at uh, at all of her past due bills. Mikey and Betty are having a conversation as as to why they can't visit the moon. While Lena goes over to to the board games with Ouija being at the top, Ellie shares that her mom just got that. Her and her bridge friends playing it playing it sometimes. Betty wonders if that's the the one you talk to ghost. Lena uh, is good. Uh, Lena is good since she gets enough of that at home. Ellie claims that it isn't actually. Um, excuse me. Ellie claims that it is actually really scary. Picking the board game up, asking if they want to play. Betty isn't down, thinking they can just uh, talk while Mikey chuckles inside Ellie's room. She gives them the rules with the board in front of them. "Quote: Never play alone. Never play in a graveyard. Always say goodbye. Circle once for each player." End quote. They all place their hands on the planchette. Betty hesitant, but she she tells her to come on. She places her hand on it and they begin. Ellie asking if there's a spirit there. It moves to quote unquote yes. Betty getting freaked out. <laughs> what does she say when she gets freaked out? She says something specific. 
oh my god yes oh my god that's just like oh my god it's like yeah it's like oh my god it's great comedy lena chuckles for her to relax as ellie asks if they're um in the room with them and that's what she's like she's like okay <laughs> it moves back to yes betty gives off another oh my god <laughs> mikey wonders if she is moving moving it but she claims that she isn't wanting them to ask that question Betty asks, what is it like on the other side? The planchette moves on the board, spelling out cold. Another, oh my god, from Betty. Lena breaks the immersion, explaining how it works. Them all having to having their hands on it so they can't tell who moves it, reacting to the slightest pull and reacting to it subconsciously, letting them know that it is designed to scare themselves and there being uh, nothing on the other side. Betty is nervously acknowledging and agreeing as Ellie claims that it isn't um, that she isn't any fun. Mikey finds this to be awesome, an awesome time to ask Lena if she would like to go to the homecoming dance with him. The planchette moves to yes as Lena chuckles for Ellie to stop it, but she blames it on the spirit. Be- uh, Betty is still getting freaked out as, as she once again tells her that there isn't a spirit. Okay. Uh, Ellie calls out for a spirit to prove that it, that it is there, wanting to get a sign. Nothing happens. Betty sighs from relief that nothing is happening. Ellie's mom bursts through the door, startling all of them, causing for Betty to scream even after after the fact, uh, <laughs> including myself, that's good. Shit, I mean, she came in hot. She busted she came in so in hot, so loud. She probably thought people were canoodling in there. Probably. Mm. <laughs> Alice waits for her daughter outside the house. Uh, <laughs> when you said canoodling, uh, quick tangent. <laughs> oh there, there's a, there's a, a newscaster that. Um, <laughs> says this to try to go back. I think I know exactly. <laughs> what you're talking he's like, about. he's like, maybe we could canoodle later. And she's like, what? Yeah, well, there will be no canoodling. He was like, wait, what does canoodling mean? Yeah, you, you, so yeah, <laughs> the anchor misuses the word canoodling to their other anchor and saying <laughs> we could can- canoodle later. He thought it meant chatting. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, she looks at the camera and she says, like, Mike, I will not be canoodling There'll with be you no, ever. No yeah. canoodling <laughs> be going canoodling. on ever. <laughs> oh, Later man. that week, they canoodled. <laughs> <laughs> Alice waits for her daughter outside the house. With guilt, Lena walks over to the car, immediately telling her that she's sorry. She demands for her to get inside the car. She looks at the back seat to see her little sister asleep in the back. She gets inside the car, Alice wondering why she does this. Lena wants to skip the semantics, wanting wanting her to just ground her. Alice sarcastically comments that, that it worked so well last time. Lena doesn't share all of the truth and claiming that they were playing a game. But Alice can smell her breath, understanding how she feels, but wanting her to, wanting her to help her. Lena admits that she will try. Then bring no, I don't need you to try, bro. (laughs) 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 Then bringing, um, then bringing up that she was playing with a Ouija board. She suggests Mm. that it was fun. Wanting Alice to, excuse me, wanting Alice to consider adding it to her act. Next day, Lena is walking down the stairs. As they are listening to a radio, Alice places some food in front of Doris, asking Lena to sit with them. She claims that she's going to be late and she's planning on walking. Alice uh, calls calls nonsense, willing to drop her off um, after they eat. But she is planning on walking with a friend. 
her mom wonders who she's walking with. She brushes it off, but the doorbell rings. Doris runs up to the door. She tries to stop her, but she calls out that it's some boy. Lena takes uh, looks over at her mom as she gives her a really... <laughs> Mikey asks Doris for Lena. She's ready to um, get out of there. Alice greets him, asking who he is. He introduces himself, extending his, his hand to shake hers. She shakes it as Lena asks uh, if he's ready to go, but Alice tells them to take her little sister, all mm. while starting uh, staring directly at Mikey, not allowing Lena to rebuttal. Doris needs her shoes. Her, uh, she demands for her to help Doris. They head upstairs, Mikey commenting about the beauty of the of the home. Shout out to the cigarette burns. Dude, I love well. it. Yeah, yeah, the uh, burn images in the film. Yeah, that was oh, great. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to those. those that, 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 that was caught great. me like Immediately, when I kept on seeing it throughout the film, oh, I was just like, fantastic. why did you do this? But I love it that you're doing this. Yeah, I had to look it up to make sure, like, I was like, he didn't record this on film. Like, it doesn't look like it was recorded That's what I was film. wondering, too, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was definitely it. an out-of-the-fact, because yeah. the whole entire movie, he put some type of grain into it as well. Which I love. I love Even, that like, grain. the opening shot where the show Ouija, Origin of Evil, it yep. had, like, exactly like, the small text in the bottom and frame, mm-hmm. like they did back probably in the 60s. Yeah. Um, I kind of remind me of just, The House of the Devil. I think it's just to build um, the world around, like, this is the 60s, this is what oh, it yeah. would look like film-wise. I, I, it was a I creative choice that I thought worked well. I would great. love to, like, verify, because maybe my memory is just off, but I don't remember seeing that in theaters. I wonder if for a theatrical release, they didn't hmm. have it there. Maybe I just oh, don't I remember. remember. Yeah, but, um, sure. yeah, because I remember seeing that. I was like, I, I don't remember that. I feel like that's something I would remember, but I could be completely wrong. And yeah. hopefully it's in the fun facts. That's hopefully, why I didn't, that's why yeah, I didn't look it up. I was yeah, like, I'll wait until the show. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but hopefully. it's a cool creative decision. Yeah, I, I thought like it was it cool. I like it, yeah. Pointing at her uh, dining room, wondering if the, if that's where they. Uh, is if that's where she does her seances. She corrects him, calling them readings, allowing him to come inside. Inside the room, she asks if he's ever had his palms read before. He uh, he admits that he hasn't. She asks for his hand, letting him know that it's painless. <laughs> he gives her his left hand. She comments about her husband being a lefty, sharing all of his lines with him across his hand before noticing that he, um, he has a senior jacket, wondering how old he is. He shares that he's 17. She reminds him that Lena is a sophomore, but he understands. She groans about his lifeline. He, he grows concerned. She continues squeezing harder as she threatens him if he touches Lena. He understands as uh, the girls come back downstairs, and they're off. Cuts Alice going inside an ice cream parlor. She goes goes uh, to pick up some more candles and a Ouija board. She waits for her, her kids inside um, her car, marking a, a potential job as a receptionist in the newspaper. This was interesting, seeing the Ouija board in a place where you, probably children frequent. Yeah. Right? Um, because the Ouija board is made by Hasbro, and it's still made. You can buy my Target. Shit. Um, right. <laughs> it fucking scares me. I run in when I'm at Target. <laughs> I'm, really? like, I'm walking. I'm like, what aisle is... And then I look at it and I just turn around and yeah, run. I feel like we're all in agreement. We wouldn't mess with it, huh? Was None that? of us would mess with it. I don't think I would. I, I don't think I no would. No way, never. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would. I've I've touched one before. Ew. Yeah. I was Wash like, your hands. Never. Never have. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think I have the guts to actually mess around with one. I'm not that curious as well. Yeah. Um, but, I'm curious, but I'm scared. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, well this, this is going to be a topic for Midnight Hour. Oh, boy. So let's tune we'll, in. We'll definitely. Who are doing the seance? Patreon. Visual exclusive. Want to talk to ghosts? We do. Interview? Patreon. 500 patrons. She notices that Doris is being picked on by two boys calling her a witch. She gets out of the car to intervene, but Father Tom stops them first. Sending them on their way, he drops down to eye level, claiming that people say mean things because they're scared making making him feel sorry for uh for them she smiles agreeing that she she also feels bad for them it's funny because father tom is obviously a priest here but he is technically her father in hill house yeah yeah he plays her dad in hill house which is great uh which is also great because doris plays her mom in hill house right she's the mom. <laughs> i thought that was fantastic so it, it so. just works i love seeing these characters back in like oh, all yeah. of his films and stuff like that yeah i'm, I'm um, hoping that he he brings them back and he, he's a great new. character yeah oh, he's I, I really liked him in this a lot uh, yeah. i feel like he was a mediator of like bringing the chaos together and making it like calm and yeah. collected. But of course he'd like, no, when shit's going wrong, I'm going to tell you what's up. True. Yeah, it's cool. She hugs her mother before she sends her off to, uh, to, uh, sends her off to the car. Alice thanks him asking if he has a lot of problems with other kids. He admits that she has, uh, that, uh, excuse me, that she has a lot of problems with other kids. He admits that she has her fair share, but nothing too concerning. She understands since her husband passed that Doris uh, has been sh- uh, slower at making friends. He knows explaining that he's, he's been talking to her about that. She thanks him again as he acknowledges that she's a good kid. Lena comes out, spotting them from across the grass as Alice walks back toward the car. As they're driving back home, Doris thinks that Alice could invite Father Tom over for a reading. She rebuttals that she doesn't believe he would want one. Doris sits up, um, in the back, thinking that he could talk to his wife. They chuckle. Lena explaining that priests can't have wives. But Doris knows that he had one before he was a priest and that uh, she died just like their dad. You know what would have been funny? I mean, not funny, but for me, that would have been like a major red flag for me. Because I'd be like, how often do you talk to him, Doris? You know all about his life. Like, Damn. What's, like, what's going on? Uh, back inside the house, Alina goes straight upstairs, but Doris notices the Ouija board. As Alice heads inside the kitchen, Doris asks about what what it is. She answers that it is a new prop for work. And the camera work here is just... Mm. Dude, I love how he like tilts the camera and does all this yes. kind of stuff. And it's just like God long damn. takes. And he's really good at it. Absolutely wondrous. Alice looks at the, at the rolls on the card, the same rolls that Ellie memorized. She opens up her toolbox and gets to work on making the planchette magnetize and practicing to see uh, to see if, if she's able to move it with the mag- magnets attached to her leg. She raises her hand, asking if there's a presence there with them. Upstairs, Doris becomes in a trance-like state as her mother continues asking for its name. Doris answers monotonically, Marcus. Lena looks over at her at her as she sits on the bed reading a book. Mm. Doris continuing to answer the questions that Lena can't, can't hear. She asks Doris who she is talking to. Alice continues practicing, asking if the spirit can hear her. Doris answering again that they can and they can see her. That's good enough for Alice. Dropping her leg back down, Doris snaps out of the trance and goes back to playing as if nothing happened. Lena asks her, uh, ask her about it, but she doesn't remember. Yes, ten out of ten scenes. This scene, dude, I loved it. I was like, one of the we jumped right scenes. back into like she's possessed. 
Oh, for sure. So quickly. And I was like, oh, paranormal activity. The most immediately. vulnerable. Yeah. And I loved how it was like the mom never knew what was happening. Yeah. The sister can see just from behind her. Yeah, but she can uh, The camera angle together. is perfect to showing her face up front. And then you see the layer of the sister just like staring at her like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And then she goes back to normal. That's yeah. terrifying. That's good. I, I love the simplicity of this scene. Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. It's over in the your face, top. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not super scary, but it's, it's terrifying because it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it, and it's, yeah. It, it just feels like some, so natural, yeah. right? Um, And it's not blah, 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 blah in your face. Right, like, I'm yeah. being possessed. I'm Marcus. <laughs> yeah. It's just her like, voice didn't change. Yes. It was her voice. No. She was just monotonically speaking. Yeah. And it was just her. Yeah. And that, that's what, you know, that's what they didn't do in the possession. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what my gripe was, was, was the voice change and the voice oscillations and the different voices coming in. Like, that is, it's so unnecessary. Sometimes yeah, it takes it pulls you out, right? A little bit. Like, like I get, I get it. You're you're trying to be scary, but that's what it feels like. It feels like you're trying. Yeah, and this it doesn't feel that. Like if that. you're gonna do that, um, build up to it, right? Exactly. And in yeah, this yeah. moment, this is the beginning of the build up. Yeah, because right? we get it later. Yeah, we do get the voice changes later. Yeah, but yeah. but a possession is supposed to take a while and it's supposed to be yeah, like they got to get that strength. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Them ghosts establish that connection. <laughs> <laughs> Later that evening, Alice is shutting down the house before going to to the board on their table. She sits down, actually wanting to give the board a try, trying to contact her husband Roger, asking if he's there. The planchette doesn't move as the clock ticks and the crickets chirp around her. She gets up, turning the lights off before heading upstairs. The planchette moving to no on its own. In the darkness, Doris is standing in the living room. Creepy ass kid. She goes <laughs> up to the board saying that, that she's there. Sitting in front of it and placing her hand on the board asking if they are there. It moves as she has her hands on it. Spelling out something before moving on its own. She smiles calling it a friend as she greets it asking now what? She hears distant whispers before picking up the planchette to look through the hole. She looks around the room gasping and asking who they are. Meanwhile, Lena is asleep in bed, her covers being being slowly pulled down. She pulls them up while still unconscious. They start to move down again and she pulls them up with a bit more strength, just to have them being pulled off of her with the same amount of strength. She jolts up, telling her sister to cut it out, but there's no answer. She looks over the edge of the bed, doors nowhere in sight. Grabbing her blankets again to lie back down, not noticing an entity with glowing eyes standing in the doorway. Ugh. Wait, did I, I catch it. that one? Oh my god! Oh, do you want to see it? Yes, dude. yeah, show it to me. Yes, it, I'm all like, I I love this. It is so. I'm gonna walk over to Freddy. Here. Fucking eerie, um, man. Uh, oh my god! Let me see if I can. Yes. It is so, so eerie. She looks uh, at the like, blankets on the ground. She pulls it up super fast. It's just standing there. <laughs> it is terrifying. Okay, yeah, I did see that one. I thought, I thought, see, okay, a similar scene, hap- or a similar shot happens later, but it's Doris. Right. That's the scene I was thinking of, but yes, it is eerie. I remember yeah, that. that yeah. Is, uh, it yeah, got me. This is still so pretty eerie, early dude. in the film, too. Yeah, yeah, I think we're, what, 20 minutes in? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> hell. 
Just, <laughs> I love it just starting. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. We got to Alice uh, dropping Doris off at school. She fixes her hair in the mirror before going inside to chat with Father Tom. She's like, I'm trying to get that collar <laughs> off. Inside her office, he mentions Doris' homework being unusual, wondering if she's been um, helping, helping her with it. She isn't quite listening right away as she spots a picture of his deceased wife. She feels guilty, accepting that she hasn't been, thinking that she's been falling behind. He confirms that it's nothing like that, handing her one of Doris's paper uh, where it's all in cursive, claiming that unless she's learned cursive, someone has been helping her quite a bit. She's confused as she looks at the paper. She asks Doris who helped her with this. She bluntly answers that her new friend did. Alice questions her, but she shrugs. Back in the car, Alice questions Lena about do doing her sister's homework, but she claims that she hasn't. She asks Doris if Lena did her homework, but Doris reiterates that she didn't. Her new friend did. Allowing her to use her hand, she smiles at this. Ooh. Creepy kids be creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, like a, a lot of simplicity <laughs> in the. No, you're good. Oh, is uh, it happening? I mean, are you, you choked good? up? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of simplicity in like the, the writing, right? Um, something as simple as I let her use, I let them use my hand. Oh, it invokes so much in just a few words. It, it's so haunting because of how calm she is about it. It's like, oh, my new friend helped me. I let her use my hand. Yeah. Like, it's like nothing to her. Like, it's normal. I well, think, she's surrounded so much by death, right? Yeah. Like, like that her mom does this and she believes what she does with her mom is right. real. She doesn't even and know good. what a scam is. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think going to that, right, Doris is very innocent and pure, right? Exactly. And and it it sucks because... They're taking advantage she, of that. She misses her father, right? And yeah. and like you said, Freddie, they're taking advantage of that innocence, but that also um, that creates an easier door that you could access because it's a child mm -hmm. and they're so innocent. They're so willing to be open to that communication, right? And also with missing her dad, like it's like sadly everything lines up perfectly to not be in her favor. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you brought up where she kind of grew up saying like this kind of stuff is okay. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't know like it's, it's not normal. dangerous. Right. Yeah, it's she normal. she yeah. feels My like this is this. normal. Yeah. Right. So why would I be afraid of it? It exactly. allows a little bit more vulnerability. Exactly. Yeah. They get back to the house. Alice uh, immediately going up to the door with a foreclosure sign on it, ripping it off the door. Ooh man, that would that sucks. The real scare. For yeah. real. At the dinner table, Doris wonders if they have have to move. Lena grabs her hand, not so sure. Doris comments that their dad won't like this and she sh uh, should tell him. She goes over to the cabinet, pulling out the Ouija board and placing it on the table. Lena gets up mm. from the table, looking over for her mom. Doris opens up the, uh, the Ouija statement, then calls for her dad, telling telling him that they might have to move out of their house. Lena goes outside to her mom sitting on the stoop. She apologizes to her mom. With tears, Alice claims that this uh, this to not be right, it being her husband's house, their house, the place where he wanted them to live, knowing that if there's any part of him left, it'll be in those walls. <laughs> <laughs> while they are talking about Doris not understanding she's looking through a hole in the wall in a wall smiling at something and pulling it out Alice comments that Doris still believes that her dad just left Lena accepting that uh, that to be better than knowing that he got hit by someone drunk driving thinking that to be best um 
gosh, you know, another thing that also kind of like breaks my heart from Mike Flanagan's work is when he talks about alcoholism. Like mm-hmm. this isn't the first time obviously he's done this. Yeah. Um, but like you get it again in a very more detailed version of in Midnight Mass, right? Yep. Right. Um, and it's knowing his past because he battled with um with alcoholism mm-hmm. and he's he's sober now. And I love I love hearing about it because you can tell that a lot of his past is a reflection of his current work right. mm-hmm. um, with Midnight Mass. And as some of you have heard inside of uh, the interview we, we've had um, with him, he, he mentioned that Midnight Mass was very much like his therapy session, just yeah. a very long therapy session for himself. And um it, it's interesting that like little bits and pieces of his work is like therapy sessions. Yeah, it's his healing process. Exactly. Like it, it's like a constant healing. Just taking all the stuff that he has inside, putting it out to the world. Exactly. Um, he also mentioned something else in that interview where he mentions that because uh, I asked him about like when you talk about these heavy subjects because a lot of your subjects are really heavy. Like how do you get over that? Like, you know and and. And for him, he's just like, once I finish it, I'm done. Like, I no longer have to think about that and be enveloped in that um, situation anymore. And I just give it to everyone else. And seeing everyone else's reactions allowed him to be able to find that comfort and that solace inside of his work. So it's it's very fascinating, very very fascinating. Alice wishes that he could watch them grow up to see the woman that that uh, he she's become. Doris comes and uh, comes outside with a bag full of money. Alice is confused as I was like, "Yo, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, where like, she found all this fucking money from?" <laughs> they all head inside the basement. Doris th- um, taking them behind the furnace. She removes a cobble from the wall, showing her mom where she found it, letting her know that there's no more because she checked it, being from the people there before alice questions how she found about found out about it she tells them that her that um her dad told her with the board cuts to them putting their hands on the board alina shows restraint due to her fears doris tells her to come on and she does so they begin opening up the circle she calls for her dad thanking him for finding the money for them they don't hear any response she excuses that it is hard to hear him sometimes using the analogy of a car radio inside of a tunnel probably same thing that she's heard from her mom right Alice questions this. Doris explains that there are whispers, sometimes tough to make out. Being able to hear them better at the board and even more clear when she touches the planchette. Lena uh, comments that this is mean. Doris tells her that it is okay before calling for her dad again. The planchette moves to yes. Lena gets up from the table with tears in her eyes telling her to stop this. Alice humors this, calling out to Roger, asking for whereabouts when she told him that she was pregnant. The planchette moves, spelling out the location. She gets startled when when it gets the answer correctly. I assume it was the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Doris adding that she doesn't really need her, asking (laughs) if that's right. Uh, I do remember where... It's funny. When I was watching this, I've never seen this. Sure. When it was spelling, I was like, oh, the show. Yes. Yeah, I thought that too. She told me about the show. And then it kept on going like, the shower. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I want to mention about the money going back a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I think it feels like Marcus is listening, right? We'll learn that, you know, they listen to what happens in the house. And it seems like Marcus finally has an entryway into the living world. As Doris being a vessel and hearing that 
that vet, that potential vessel is going to leave, let me let her find this money so they could stay, so I could use yeah. her. Right? That's super right. scary. Like, 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 you I, need more time. I need more time. Right? Like, yeah. when am I going to get yeah, this yeah. this opportunity again? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Alice immediately uh, gets up from the table, dropping her chair behind her. Doris picks up the planchette, looking through the hole. Alice doesn't understand what she's looking at. She confirms that she can see them. Uh, she can sometimes see them through it, but she hasn't seen Roger yet, wanting to. Alice and Lena both sob as Alice calls out to her husband husband asking if he's really there it moves to yes door smiles from their reaction later that night lena checks on her her sleeping sister um as as we hear her vo telling her mom about doors having the ability to manipulate the board alice admits that it is real knowing that they can truly help people now and no longer uh, pretend she holds lena's hand knowing that they can speak speak with her dad again she doesn't understand how claiming that it's just a stupid game alice shares that her mother was a fortune teller reading tea leaves and tarot cards thinking it was silly pathetic and a scam believing it can possibly skip generations she grabs the cash on the table and uh, so she can get ready to take it to the bank in the morning, kissing Lena on the back of her head, knowing that Roger was going to take care of them. She goes up to her room, Lena still at the table, glancing over the, at the planchette before picking it up and looking through the hole. Uh, someone standing in the corner moves, causing her to move move it out of the way. Fucking hell. Ugh. When it's right on the side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. The way it moves out of the way, too. So yeah. yeah. It's perfect. I love it. Uh, I, I had to rewatch it again just, like, just to see if gone. I can, like, make sure I was looking at it. And, like, yeah, the thing was just standing there the whole time. <laughs> and it, I love that it's just it's just trying to get out of the way. Like, it's creeping yeah. around the corner, right? And right. It, it, there's not much I can say about it. It just feels <laughs> good to see. Uh, it feels very... Uh, Haunting of Hill House. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you, you definitely see the influences of Haunting of Hill House in this. Oh, sprinkled all over sure. this place. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because when I was like protecting myself from the scare, I, I was like voicing the demon. I was like, oh shit, she could see me. And then, like, yeah. she, <laughs> <laughs> like oh shit, she, oh, she picked up the plan shit. I'm out. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> You're not Doris. Cut to the <laughs> next day, Mikey telling Lena that he's not allowed over to Ellie's anymore. She ignores what he's talking about, asking if he's serious about asking her to homecoming. He claims that he uh, he is if she wants to go. She smiles that she would like to. He chuckles that he's surprised, thinking that she's way too cool for dances. She admits that she isn't. And he's like, I know, I was kidding. He tells her uh, that she's wrong about that as she as he's about to kiss her. Tom stops stops them, quote, not much room for the Holy Ghost, end quote. <laughs> I love his response, though. Uh, he's all like, but... He's like, right, it's a crowd. <laughs> he asks to speak with Lena inside his um, inside his office. She tells she tells him that she doesn't need to make room for any other ghost in her life, holy or not. He comments that it uh, it isn't about that, mentioning that she's smart and the boys um and the boys his age require discouragement, making them better men in the long run. I'm just like, mm, that's a little like. What's the word I'm looking for? Misogynistic. <laughs> Dude, uh, this, this did definitely rub me the wrong way, though. I was just like, Mike Flanagan's still a man. <laughs> like, like, we definitely got to take that into consideration. I feel like it's very on, it's point on point for with the, times. the writing of yeah. the character. That, that yeah. too, as well. Um, but even with the times that this is written in or yeah. supposed to be written in, it makes sense. It does, yeah. Right? Like, a, a, like... If her dad was still alive, he would probably say the same thing, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. 
she awkwardly thanks him before he tells her um <laughs> she's like why do i have to change for his yeah anchor? whatever uh before he tells her what he really wanted to chat with her about, he brings up Doris, wondering why she's been absent for four days in a row. Lena bluntly responds that it's complicated. He understands that Alice comes by to pick up um, her homework or leaves a note when she's sick. She tells him she tells him that she isn't sick. He's like, oh, she's not. So that note means nothing. <laughs> but her and her mom um, have been, quote unquote, working. He doesn't understand. Cut to Doris and Alice with a client asking about what the woman wants to tell her father. She wonders if she makes her father proud doris um let's go the planchette which uh alice and the woman follow her lead it moves to yes doris's voice changes to to the woman's father saying always she giggles about that tickling her throat before feeling a slight pain in the, in the back of her head the woman leaves calling the experience amazing wanting to come back tomorrow alice allows her to um, allows her to with a smile <laughs> that would be funny though if she would be like but wait my five bucks. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> later that evening, Doris is asleep. She gasps awake, holding holding the back of her neck, mm. waking up her sister, telling her that her neck hurts. Lena gives her some um, some pills to take. Uh, she explains that it's it stings like a bee. She takes the pills. Um, they say their good nights before lying back down. She winces in pain again, causing her head to um to head downstairs to sit in front of the board. She holds her neck before quickly opening the circle, asking what's happening to her neck. She opens it where it's like spears, blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no answer, just more pain, causing her to call out to her dad. She looks through the planchette. Something moving um, about next to her, startling her. She whips her head around, but she can't see anything. She decides to look look back through the hole. Something moves on the other side, whimpering in pain before getting up from the table, heading over to the mirror to look at herself through the planchette. A dark creature with glowing yellow eyes mumbles, quote, this was a game. End quote. She screams for a moment, causing the demon to then jam its hand in her mouth, <sighs> bending her backwards as it enters her body through her mouth. Doris' mouth slowly shuts as she slightly convulses on the ground with her eyes closed. Man, this so, looks good. I'll yeah, know. this looks fucking great. Yeah, um, the creature itself looks okay. It's fine. Yeah, but, like, it doesn't have a mouth, which is actually cool. doing to her is disturbing, and it looks great and fucked up. Dude, it jams its hand <laughs> yeah. in her mouth. It, um, like it's like punches her through her mouth. That shit's crazy. And then the camera just stays on her. Yeah, tilted down, facing down at her while she slowly goes down while her mouth closes. It's just like. And Damn. it's slight, right? It's as if she's being carried down to right, the floor. Exactly. As she twitches. Can't can't hurt the merchandise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't fall. This is my new vessel. Yeah. yeah. When I saw this scene, I thought um the creature design is very Mike Flanagan, like I mentioned earlier, right? Yeah. He, he makes very distinct looking creatures. Like for sure. You can name them by like their appearance almost. Absolutely. Um he looks like a Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> but no um, Marcus. You know, initially when I when I watched this and you know with the CG and everything, I was like, oh, this is and I almost leaned towards like cheesy. cheesy but then I was like, oh, this is this is sick. <laughs> I don't know. Something clicked in yeah, me. It just, yeah, it just works. Um, but I think what was really uh effective is when you see like the hand and the arm going down the mouth and then you see it without it right right and then it, oh. it leaves room for imagination you know 
I think I know what it is. It's like once you see it, you're like, oh, it looks cheesy, but then you see what it does, and you like, I respect you. Like, yeah, damn, right. like you're yeah. hardcore. Because like, you, you think yeah. about seeing it for and yourself. You're just like, oh, that's weird. But, oh, wow, you're doing that. I respect you. You're yeah. good. You're scary. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, I looked at it through a lens of like, as if I was seeing this happen, but I, I wasn't understanding because I couldn't see everything. Of right. course. Uh, so right. I think that's where it was impactful when I thought it was. And I like good. that as Flanagan. He shows things when it's necessary. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. show things when it's like, Effective. He's really good at like less is more sometimes. Uh, he's and really, like if I need to show something, I will, and I will show you right in your face. But if I don't need to show you something, that's also gonna be frightening to see. Absolutely, he's a man of perspective. Yeah, and I love that. I completely agree, and I also agree that I like it when he shows uh, less sometimes as well. Um, and he he gets to play around with that when he does more PG thirteen horror, right? Um, such as this. Um, but he he did it as well with uh, Before I Wake, um, mm. where he he has those moments in there that uh, allows you to have to use your imagination, which was great because Before I Wake was very much like a dreamlike film. Um, but super interesting, super interesting. Meanwhile, Lena hears indistinct whispering and murmuring. Her little sister rapidly whispers into her ear. <laughs> Gotta bring the whispers in, you know what I'm saying? Dude, I, I love this. I, uh, I, I, I think some people may think that like the whole whispering stuff is a little like dated now, but I'm a sucker for it. I like it. Yeah. It, I, I like the head twitches. I yeah. like the bones cracking. I love all of all that Me shit. Me too. But I think what's cool here <laughs> is that like she's like holding her in a way that like her ears just gaping open yeah, ready for weird. it right yeah Ugh. yeah it's it's pretty wild she gasps awake but she's no longer there she heads to the bathroom to get a drink of water hearing more of the whispering behind her shutting the water to hear better but it stops can i say something real quick yes when she wakes up really fast it's like the most cleanest edit i've seen in a while it's <laughs> where it's she's really, in the hallway really her head like tilts up covers her and then she moves a little bit like a second later and, and she's, she's gone and I was like, so yeah. smooth. Yeah, it's perfect. She looks. At, she looks at herself in the mirror, noticing something on her lip, trying to pull it pull it off. But her mouth is morphed closed, causing her screams mm. to become muffled. This is the genius part right here. This is the part where it's the foreshadowing that is extremely genius because the uh, Marcus never wanted uh, Doris. Right. Marcus always wanted the one that didn't believe. The yeah. one that was skeptical. That's who Marcus wanted. Yeah. He wanted Lena. <laughs> Her eyes are also becoming clouded as it further closes. She immediately wakes up from this nightmare. Cut the door standing on the playground, staring at nothing. The boys um, that pick on her, Walter and Jack, are staring um, at her, calling her freaking weird. My favorite scene. Jack pulls out a slingshot, grabbing a pebble from the ground. He's about to pull it before she looks at him. He turns the slingshot onto himself, Walter yelling and screaming for him to stop. He releases it. Doris goes back to staring at nothing as Jack screams in agony, everyone else running to his aid as she continues to stand on the square. Mm. This scene is genius. Yeah. And like, granted, yeah, I don't need to see this shit because of that I could, I already know that shit hurt. <laughs> I know yeah. that hurt. I know that hurt. So that's cool. And I was like, what a shitty little kid. Like, that's a real rock that he's putting in the slingshot. Oh, I'm yeah. about to he, aim it at her. I'm like, hurt her. low key deserve it. Yeah. He was but this is how her. powerful the possession is, too. Right. Where she's able to do stuff like this. Yeah. Like some telekinesis but, and well, mind control. And well, remember, though, yeah. it's it's multiple of them. 
Right, Marcus yes, is the one that true. inhabits her, but there's there's multiple of them that want to seek this revenge. Um, so I'm assuming that one of the ghosts holding is it. holding it and holding his hand to where he can't release it, and then they let him release it. <laughs> Back at home, Lena and Doris are watching TV. Alice um, comes into the room dressed up, telling them to call the restaurant if they need anything. Lena comments about how good she looks. Uh, she's <laughs> like, "Mom, <laughs> like, damn, like, what the what?" Fuck? She's like, I just forgot that you were in Twilight. Um, Alice lets them know <laughs> she was in Twilight. Fun fact. <laughs> um, I think she was Edward's mom in Twilight. Mm, yeah, interesting. I remember from the baseball scene very vividly. <laughs> great, great scene. Um, Alice, I thought the movie was going to be about baseball, like vampires p- playing baseball. I was so the whole Twilight hurt. Series? Yes, <laughs> I was so hurt when it wasn't vampires playing baseball. I was like, that sounds well, fucking smelling incredible. Girls through the wind. That's what it's about. There it is. Yep, yeah. that's what it's about. Alice lets them know that she's been, uh, she'll be a few hours instructing them to be in bed by nine and to do their homework. She makes it to the restaurant meeting with Tom, apologizing for being late and admir- admiring the restaurant. He tells her uh, that she deserves a night not, not having to cook. She makes a joke about mm-hmm. SpaghettiOs, immediately embarrassed by it. He finds it to be quite all right, throwing in another joke about uh, on top of hers. Uh, cute shit. He shares the reason why bringing her there, wanting to discuss her daughters. Back with Lena and Doris, the doorbell ringing. It's Mikey. She lets him inside as Doris stares at him. Mm-hmm. She is fucking creepy. He's, he greets her, um, but she doesn't respond. Lena excuses um, excuses and brings him, brings him upstairs to her room, leaving Doris down there, coming back to uh, to threaten her on not telling her her mom about Mikey being there. Uh, and she, like, just nods her head. Right. So this is the scene I was uh, talking about with uh, her eyes being rolled back. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just so subtle with, before the, the doorbell rings. And then, like, right when the doorbell rings, it's like, it yeah, goes it back to normal. Back yeah. I, I really like, like it. That's yeah. awesome. I yeah. love that. Scene. I don't think I'll ever get tired of stuff like that. Yeah. It's not like it's in your face, but it's kind of blurred out. So you don't yeah. really notice it until her eyes fix itself. And then, right. like, oh, shoot, your eyes were rolled back before. The blur adds to its credibility and probably right. makes it more absolutely. timeless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely will because obviously it is CG, but. Um, it's a little bit harder to tell here. Yeah, exactly right. because of that blur effect. Exactly. At the restaurant, Tom admits that he's he's not an expert on the occult. Alice claiming um, to not be the same, uh, to not be as well. Excuse me. He expresses that dealing with the spirit world can be dangerous. She claims that she uh, she claims that what she does for people is good. Wishing wishing that he would allow her to show him, bringing up the ability to speak to his wife again. He's taken back by the request. She apologizes, believing that he would have liked like to speak with her again he admits that he does not having the chance to uh, to tell her all the things that he wanted to tell her before she passed away feeling that she already knows about the things that she that he didn't say he shares that they would they would come to the restaurant once a month she shares that roger would order wine with a french accent chuckling on how bad it was feeling that uh, like these days were over for her he claims the he claims the same, rubbing his Roman collar uh, that he made her that he made sure he couldn't, uh, thinking that possibly in another life for the both of them, they cheers to another life. I was like, damn. And I was like, mm. you're a faker. You believe in reincarnation? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in another life. 
I'm in there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mikey plays some music on Lena's record player, finding it awesome that she uh, doesn't have to move, admiring her home. He chuckles that, uh, that his fa- that his father is an architect and likes to drive drive him and his brother around looking at houses. And that, and he mentions that he's like, oh, like this house has a good set of bones and right. things like that. Uh, she chuckles as he reiterates that he's he's glad she's not moving. Uh, she mentions that her mom is going to, going to come home soon he thought she mentioned that she she won't be home for another hour but she doesn't plan on taking any chances knowing that she would kill them both after they compare themselves to romeo and juliet and bonnie and clyde they wait a moment before mikey is ready to lay the lips smack down they kiss each other before wishing each other a good night my boy moved in quickly (laughs) and just like that He's out of her door as she gleefully plops on her bed. Mikey heads downstairs, giving his mm. his goodbyes to Doris, but she is no longer on the couch, and the TV has dead air. Oh my God, we're so close to it. She stands right behind him, startling him. He laughs that she scared the crap out of him. She cl- she asks if he would like it to hear something cool. Sure, <laughs> just so she could ask if he knows what it feels like to be strangled to death. He smi- his smile fades as she continues explaining the feeling. Quote, First, you feel the pressure in your throat. Your eyes water and you, t- you start to taste something very, very sour in your mouth. Then, it's like someone lights a match right in the middle of your chest. And that fire grows. It fills your lungs and your throat. And all the way behind your eyes. And finally, that fire turns to ice. Like pins and needles of ice are sticking into your fingers, your toes, your arms. You see stars, then darkness. And the last thing you feel is cold. End quote. Fucking chills, dude. I this is gonna sound kind of weird, but I try to imagine it as much as I could. Oh I yeah, oh, yeah. 100 percent okay. explained like, it so well okay. that I was just like I was like, oh. I could see that. It, it's haunting. Uh, in the way that she actually says it so calmly in her mannerisms, her face expressions, um, it, it destroys it's a, me. It's a threat, for it's sure. Truly. And it's it, a foreshadowing. It's terrifying. Yeah. It, it's the, the major foreshadowing because we see it later. Yeah. <laughs> Which by far is the scariest fucking scene to me in this movie. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Dude, it was it not, when that happened. That, and the thing she does later, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's like, what I, was, I mean. Yeah, I was like, like, oh my I was God. Like, Where? Oh, this movie's wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's great. But yeah, this is a really good monologue. Amazon. Give Mike Flanagan endless and copious amounts of cash so he can make whatever (laughs) the fuck he wants. Please. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so excited for his new show that's going on over there. And then he he has a a five-movie plan with uh, the Dark Tower series. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rack in the fucking dough, man. Let's go. He stares at, at her in fear as she smiles and tells him goodnight while calling him Romeo. <laughs> he watches her go back to the couch sitting. I would have been the fuck and, out of there, dude. And that's a nice also context clue of what they find out later. It's like, oh, they're always listening yep. in the house. And so she heard that conversation. Exactly. Yep, that they were having. Small details. They matter. It's yeah, that's true. She goes back sitting, staring at the dead air television set while smiling, finally getting out of the house. Cut to Lena walking through the hallway, noticing Doris uh, ferociously writing while not looking at the page. 
This was also very creepy. She goes into her room, seeing her doll's mouth sewn shut. She takes it, waltzing into Doris's room, yelling at her about the doll. Doris claims that she didn't, as Lena explains that her, that their dad gave it to her. Doris continues that she didn't do it, but their dad did to stop the voices. Alice comes back inside in. Uh, back home as Lena yells for Doris to stop this and that it isn't funny anymore. Alice comes into the room asking asking about what's going on. Lena shows her mom the doll. She asks Doris if she did this. Doris disagrees and rebuttals that Lena is lying. Lena yells that she, something is wrong with her, arguing that she's either too stupid or stubborn to see it. Alice tells her to watch her tongue, but Lena is fucking done. Not wanting any, uh, any more to do with this, she jets out of the room and heads back into hers. Alice follows her, telling her that she can't talk to her that that way lena's lena not understanding how else um she's able to hear her alice reminds her that doris is dealing with the same thing but lena knows that there's something wrong with her but alice writes it off that there's something miraculous going on with her wishing that she could join them so she can heal Lena argues about her actually listening to what she's saying with the board alice claims that she does every single day Lena continues her argument that they are basic things of forgiveness, things that Alice would tell her clients because she knows that they would believe it. Alice believes that she truly knows she, she truly knows things, asking her specific questions, things that only Roger could know, wondering how she could explain it. Lena is silent, not able to explain them. She apologizes to her daughter, knowing that there's something that there's something happening there that they can't explain. Lena sobs that it is changing Doris, knowing that she can, that she. Uh, can see that questioning if it uh, was her dad and then why would he change her mm. I think this is great mm. uh, I, fantastic. I think it really um, raises questions for the audience right to ask themselves because um, I mean the audience knows that it's not their father right. Right. but also uh, it, it, it kind of paints the picture of like <laughs> let me rephrase Linda's asking really great questions. If it was their dad, why would he be changing her and making her go through this, right? So it, it just, it's good commentary yes. on the situation. Yes, definitely agree. The next morning, Doris is sitting at the table as Lena comes down the stairs. Alice mentions that they are going to be late. Doris says that she doesn't want to go to school. She understands, but they miss too much, asking if she did, uh, did her homework. Doris repeats that she doesn't want to go before slamming her hands on the table, both of them staring at her in shock, but Alice sternly tells Lena to gather her things from her room. Doris repeats that she doesn't want to go, wanting to stay there and talk to her friends. Mmm... Someone woke up in the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Missy! Lena grabs her things from her room, noticing the papers underneath her bed. She grabs them, reading the papers in fear and confusion. Cuts at her knocking on Tom's office door. He offers to offers her to come in. She nervously asks it, uh, if, he, if there's anyone at the school that speaks Polish. He's confused, wondering why. I was like, damn, you're smart that you knew that was Polish just from the world. Right? For real. But said, education was a lot better back then, and they're in a private school. True, mm, true, true. In a private school. And, mm -hmm. you know, they look like they have a decent amount of income for that school, too, mm -hmm. right? So, Or they did. Or yes. they, yeah, or they did. Right, yeah. Yeah, why, why are kids going to private school? 
Why? Yeah, it's time to the like, public school. Why, keep the house. Why are they? Why are these kids going to a private school? <laughs> that's true. Can't even pay off the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, kick them out. Just priorities. Uh, right. She pulls Home out school. the papers, letting him know that uh, that she found them at at her house, wanting to know what they say. She hands him uh, the papers. He flicks through them. She explains that she saw Doris write them. He will ask his sister Hannah to look at them because I guess Sister Hannah came back from, uh, she was an escaped from World War II, right? Yeah, we'll learn that later on, that she right. came from, from Poland. Poland. Yeah. yeah. She's walking out of the out of his office. He stops her to ask ask her what they are. She hopes that they are nothing. Tom pulls up um, to the Xander residence, mm. ringing the bell. Alice opens the door, surprised by his presence. He apologizes for dropping in like this, wanting to take her up on the offer on that reading. A bit taken back, but she allows him inside. Doris watching TV, she side eyes him as he comes into the house. Alice remembering that he uh, he was against all of this, but he claimed to have uh, have changed his mind. Lena comes down the stairs greeting him slight uh speaking slightly in code he comments about wanting to see uh see firsthand on what the fuss is all about calling um, out to doris but she's already glaring at him from behind the couch real quick him arriving at the house is one of my favorite shots oh um, yeah he does this great thing and i can show you guys here where the camera is on the other side of the car mm-hmm. slowly zooms in into the car as he gets out and then has uh, a great wide shot of him in front of the house, which is kind of, for me, it looks like an homage to um, The Exorcist. The Exorcist. <laughs> oh, wow. Good call <laughs> out. going, and it just stays there, and he stays That's there for a little it. bit. That's it. It's a really, a really great shot because yeah. it's, it's a long take. Yeah. And it actually, like, moves. It reminds me, like, this is why I said, like, this movie reminds me a lot of The Conjuring a little bit of, like, the opening shot of the family going to the house, and then it, like, follows the family into the house and in and out, where shots like this doesn't matter to the storytelling of course not but it matters to the filmmaking process of the film itself to make it look fantastic yeah and i appreciate shots like that yeah me too especially if it does give like an homage to like hey this is a possession movie here comes the priest to the house exactly somebody called a priest i'm glad you brought that up i totally missed that but now that i've seen it i'm like wow yeah i'm just a filmmaking geek i love this kind of shit Yeah, and also the lighting too, like on uh, uh, on her right here on Alice, uh, the lighting is phenomenally this well. This movie done. is just well done. Oh yeah, it's well crafted. Yeah, throughout the movie, just like, starting here, we get a lot of 1930s like, right, eye, like shots. eye shots, yeah, yeah. yeah. or light in the eye shot. Right, yeah, very Some very Sam Italian Raimi stuff too. Yeah. yeah, very Italian. Hollywood, uh, like 30s Hollywood, did it a lot too. They did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they are sitting in the dining room, uh, starting starting up the board. Doris um, staring at him as they move the planchette around. They oh, this would have creeped me the fuck out. I would have been like, oh, okay. this is where the movie just fucking oh, gets dude. great. The movie Peak. is bonkers right here. They all let it go. Lena watching from the doorway. Alice confirms if Gloria was uh, his oh, wife's name. Dude. He agrees. Doris monotonically asking if Gloria is there uh, without taking her eyes off of him. The planchette moves on its own, surprising Tom as it does. As Alice reads um, what the board spells, calling him darling. Doris comments that she's a little hard to hear sporting a smirk. The board uh, reading that it uh, misses him. I like this because it's taunting him. And yeah. this moment is just like, uh, like you, oh, it's kind of hard to hear. Yeah. It, it, oh, man. Yeah. This, this, this moment is filled with so much aggression and yes. animosity. And it's so passive. It's so passive and the acting's phenomenal and the writing is great. Mm. And just like sh- this scene is chef's it's kiss, man. Perfect. 
He asks it for, uh, for Gloria's middle name. Doris' smiles uh, fades as the board begins to spell out Lynn. Alice wonders if that's correct, and it is. It begins spelling, I forgive you. He uh, questions this. It moves to yes. He wonders He wonders for what? Continuing to spell out about a fight that they've once had. He tests Doris some more, asking what the fight was about. She drops her smile, the planchette moving to no. She tells him that it uh, it is... Uh, it isn't important before the board spells again. Alice reads, don't hide behind the collar. Uh, hmm. want, you, want you to be dot, dot, dot. Gloria's voice comes out of Doris as she concludes, happy. <laughs> he stares at Doris quizzically before mentioning that the experience was something. And I love this. He was like, wow, that was something. He was like, full of shit. That's <laughs> like, yeah, I need to talk to all of y'all right now. I love how reserved and calm he is. But yeah. at the same time, he could feel that tension and that fear. Right. Oh, bravo. And he knows, yeah. too. Like, like, or not not him, but Marcus, I would say. Marcus knows Something's that up. something is off. Yeah. Marcus knows that, like, these answers aren't correct. Um, thanking her, thank you for doing that, doing that as she smirks at him. He gets up, letting them know that, uh, that this isn't the only reason why he came by, commenting that Lena has gotten into some trouble at school. Lena plays along, apologizing to her mom. Alice wonders what kind of trouble, but he doesn't want to talk about it there, asking if they can speak, um, someplace privately. She considers speaking with him in his office tomorrow, but he would prefer to speak right now, promising that it won't take long. Dora stares at them with hatred sported on her face, wanting to come up, uh, come with them, uh, as Lena offers her room. He asks her how old she is. Um, she answers that she's nine. Tom asks for her to hold down the fort while they are gone. Alice wanting to know uh, what all of this is about. Lena grabs her by the arm, staring at her. She knows that this is serious. Doris asks um, if she could watch TV, Alice allowing her to do so. Tom follows them upstairs, Alice taking him to Lena's room. He holds back Lena, asking where Doris, Doris wrote the letters. She points out that uh, that she wrote, wrote them in her room. Alice wonders uh, where they are going, Lena wanting her to, to just trust them. They go inside Doris's room. He mentions that his wife's middle name was Catherine. Alice doesn't understand, mm. questioning if this is uh, if this is about his reading. He corrects her that her mother's name was that his mother's name was Lynn. He asks Lena if she actually saw Doris writing them. She did, pointing in the direction on where she did it. Alice comments that the medium sometimes get confused hearing different voices. He t- uh, he looks back at her, revealing that he tricked her. He pulls out the papers. She doesn't. Uh, uh, she doesn't know what those are. He speaks um, John verse uh, John chapter four verse one. Uh, quote: Do you uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are uh, from God? For many false prophets have gone gone out into the world. End mm. quote. She thought that uh, this was about Lena. He confirms that it that it is about all of them. They sit down. He explains that they startled. Um, excuse me. They sit down. He explains that she started by calling him darling, an easy guess and common term of endearment, then saying that she missed him, appealing to comfort. She asks if he brought if he brought her up there to tell her that her daughter is a fraud. I mean, like, kind of. Uh, he doesn't, <laughs> well, he doesn't no. think she's a fraud at all. Yeah. Explain that, uh, that uh, when, when he asked for Gloria's middle name, he thought, he thought um, the word Lynn repeating it over and over in his mind. She doesn't understand why he would do that. Lena explains um, that when they ask a question, we think we already know the answer as we ask it. True. Never thought of it like that before. Uh, 
That being right, knowing that she was listening to, to him, thinking Lynn, so she said the name Lynn. But when he asked uh, what her fight was about, he, he cleared his mind and she changed the subject. She asked to explain hearing his wife's voice. He uh, confirms that it was a woman's voice, but that's all it was. Him um, being so shocked to, uh, to hear it uh, come from her mouth, not scrutinizing whether it sounded like Gloria. Only saying one word, enough for him to hear that it's a woman, but not enough for anything else. And I even point out here, you get that really dreamy lighting effect on their eyes. Yeah. Um, he reiterates that he doesn't think she's a fraud, believing that she's channeling powers, powers and forces that they don't understand. But he's certain that she is not channeling his wife. Meanwhile, downstairs on the couch, Doris sits there with her eyes rolled in the back of her head and her mouth inhumanly wide open. And I assume during this moment, Marcus she was, was listening in. She was listening in, but I think Marcus was about to come out. Like physically come out. Oh. But the mm. doorbell rings, snapping her back out of it. And, and I feel like he just either that or he was going back inside. One oh, or the that's other. True. Yeah. Um she answers the door and it's Mikey. He asks if Lena is home. She invites him inside, claiming that she can't uh she can't come come right now because her and their mom are are talking about them to the man, quote unquote. Knowing that they'll be right back. My only gripe with this movie right here. Well, one of my gripes. The doorbell. No one else heard it. No one else heard the doorbell. Mm, just upstairs. It depends. Nah. nah. Uh, That's not enough to write it off for me. Unless unless this house is like stupid thick walls, which it doesn't sound like it. Got good bones. bones. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. That that one that one was a little a little bit for me, but at the same time, like I it's fine. Could it be the TV? We pushed the the story drive alone. Um, TV was really loud. Maybe. Maybe. And they're uh, Mm. yeah. I I mean, I think you're right though. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I I feel like the door was closed. (laughs) That's not how a doorbell works. (laughs) 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 Knowing that they'll be right back, he questions about them leaving her uh, leaving her there alone. She slowly approaches him as he moves back. She claims that Lena told him uh, to wait since she'll be back in any minute now. She asks if he would like to see something neat. I would have been like, no. I'll just come back later. Like, he yeah, swallows hard, mentioning that he'll just come back later. Um, she ag- she ignores his request, telling him that uh, that there's treasure in the walls, using it to pay the bills. This kind of piques his interest, wondering if it, if that was real. Ask Lena. Yeah. yeah. Don't ask her. Don't she, follow her. Yeah. She moves toward the basement, willing to show him. He doesn't follow her right away. She looks back at him, smiling that she'll uh, be there uh, any second. Back upstairs, Tom hands Alice the paper, explaining that this is something that Doris's, Doris wrote. Sister Hannah, excuse me, came there from Poland during the war, asking her to translate them. It, it upsetting her, he explains that this is a journal from a man named Marcus who grew up in Poland during World War II. While they are talking, Doris uh, takes Mikey into the basement. And I believe this is where you get the shot of the the mirror on yes. this trek down. Oh, no. It was the, fir- it was the first one, right? When no, they first go down? This is um, Doris and Mikey going down? Right. No, so it's when... Uh, the father, the father Alice, and that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. They all that's go right. Down. Uh, Tom uh, Tom continues that that it talks about how 
uh, how his family were rounded up during the invasion. Doris shows that the shows that the money was was this way, commenting about how old and dusty it was. But she believes that there's more. Tom continues that the uh, that the letter talks about a doctor at the at the campus, or excuse me, at the camps, um, calling him the devil's doctor because of his interest in the occult and his experiments on the patients. Talking about uh, being rescued by allies coming coming to America and living on the streets, ending up in a mental hospital. My, uh, Mikey looks into the hole. Doris claimed to have found some jewelry in there, but she put it back for later. He decides to stick his hand inside the hole. What a dummy. <laughs> Tom shares uh, that he recognized one of the doctors bec- uh, using a different name, yet he knew that it was the devil's doctor. One night, the doctor took him out of the hospital and brought him to this house, describing the house, it being the exact same house. Man, uh, I wanted to know more about this doctor. Like, I wish yeah. the doctor was the one possessing, but... You know what's interesting? Yeah. Uh as these moments were happening and I was also thinking the same thing, I started questioning myself. I was like, was there a Ouija prequel too that I don't remember? Uh, a prequel to the prequel? Yeah. No. So, well, that. But I also thought, I was as I was watching this, I was thinking more of what was coming with the rest of the movie and, and thinking, there's still so much. Oh, there's they more about the, the doctor. Lore and stuff yeah, like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a second version of the origin story or a second, like a sequel? So, right. like a second prequel. But I would love to like explore this more though right. i mean you could go either direction right this kind yeah. of reminded me it's almost the same uh plot as house of haunted hill right the like evil doctor and he had victims sort of yeah yeah, yeah. that bit. was a mental asylum so like except like he, it was spirits. it was in his his he like he lived where he worked right. initially yeah so pretty similar we all um have <laughs> true uh but pretty similar um i mean aspect. we don't do anything crazy like <laughs> evil <laughs> So yeah. you say. Um, <laughs> there being a secret room in the basement where the experiments continue on Marcus and others. Mm. Mikey pulls out a surgical bag, opening it to find IDs. Tom continuing so that many. he cut out their tongues, severing their vocal cords and sealing their mouths. Whoop, whoop, whoop. There you go. So that should have been the moment for uh, Lainey, or Lena to, to think like, okay, so yeah, for sure. That was not my dad. Sewing the mouths to keep the voices out. Although it is very interesting that we get to see it later. But I believe it was the transfer is what we initially saw. We'll talk about it when we get we'll there. We'll talk about it. Keeping them in the secret basement so even as people visited and socialized upstairs, they couldn't be heard below. Describing his murder in great detail, Lena doesn't understand. He, he comments that the journal doesn't stop there. As Mikey continues looking inside the bag, Doris mentions that there could be uh, so... Uh, so much more inside. Tom explains that he t- he talks about what happened after his murder. Mikey puts his hand back inside the hole, not noticing Doris's face shifting in a maniacal smile while cracking. Love it. So mm. good. I don't care what anyone says. So fucking good. I love it. It's I think it's looking. so creepy. Yeah. I I don't care what anyone says either. Like, granted, is is this very much a PG thirteen thing? Yes. It feels but very it feels great. Internet. Of this era. True. Yeah. Very true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tom uh, continues that the journal talks about being in the dark with the others, voiceless, cold, and insane. He's as he speaks, 
Ellis is turned away crying. But that doesn't stop him. He mentions that it, that it also talks about the other things in the dark, things that were never human in taking over him. While Mikey has has his hand on the in the hole, Doris tells him that um, that he was right right on what he said about this house. A skull a skull falls in front of him as she says, "Good bones." <laughs> <laughs> Pure gold comedy. <laughs> she turns he turns his head, murmuring in his ear, causing his eyes to roll in the back of his head, oh, dude, which also looks good. Yeah, yeah, it looks oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, I love great. it so much. It like I love how she's slightly smiling. Makes me shiver, but yeah, it like feels good. Yeah, <laughs> looks so good. Alice doesn't want to believe it, and knowing that Doris uh, knew things that that only Roger and her moved. Lena interrupts interrupts that she asks about the uh, things that happened inside the house, things that she said um, and did after they moved. Knowing all of the answers because they were they were there watching. Alice thinks of the next best thing is to get her out of the house. Tom responds that the problem isn't the house anymore. We could try. God damn it. He called the <laughs> Archdiocese, the Vatican, having people to investigate these occurrences. How long will that take? The Vatican's really far. Asking to approve, uh, approve an exorcism. Lena uh, sh- uh, shushes him to not say anything else, knowing that they were, they were watching them all those years inside the house, knowing that they're probably watching them right now. They head back downstairs. Doris no longer watching TV in the living room. Alice calls, to, calls mm. for her. A bang and rummage um, happens from upstairs. They all watch attentively. Alice willing to bring her down, about, about to explain the next steps. Mikey then drops down, hanging from sheets by his neck. Lena yelling and repeating no over and over. She runs over to Lena, yelling for, for her to not, uh, yelling, excuse me. She runs over to Lena, yelling for her to uh, look at her. Um, when she calms down, she whispers that they, they, they have to find Doris. They hear music coming from the vents from the basements. Uh, she instructs Lena to wait outside. Lena tells her no, wanting wanting to fight her uh, for her. Si- I was gonna say wanting to fight her sister, wanting to fight for her sister. Adding that splitting up sounds like the dumbest thing to do right now. Alice agrees, adding mm-hmm. that they are uh, burning the board in the furnace. Um, if they are going down there, they open the door to the basement, cautiously descending the stairs. They call out to Doris. But don't receive an answer. Nobody is in the room. Alice goes up to the furnace to turn it on as she as so they can burn it. The lights shut off overhead. They continue opening the furnace, prepping to burn the board. She lights the match, screaming for the uh, screaming from the side of the skull. Tom lights another match, checking inside the hole, discovering the bodies that are all behind the wall. Lena uh, releases a nice cheesy line that they played in, in a graveyard. Nice. I actually like that, even though it is cheesy. Because I, because I was like, "Oh, you broke another rule." Yeah, no, but yeah. yeah. But I think without that, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, that's a perfect cheesy line. Yeah, without that line, I would have never come to realize that. Right. Yeah. 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 That they played on top of a graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. I played in a graveyard. They burn the the board. She asks if they if they think that this will work, but Tom doesn't know. Doors bangs bangs through the vent, calling for her mom and commenting that she's scared. She asks for help. Tom instructs them to stay in the, stay in this room together. Alice asking about their prior argument about staying staying together. He comments that he'll bring her back. He'll bring her out if she's in there. Dropping down to uh, take off the vent, looking inside before crawling through it. He makes it into a secret room, the torture chamber of the devil's doctor. Oh my god. 
<laughs> the music finally coming to a halt. He goes up to the spider web tools. Doris mentions that uh, mentions, excuse me. Doris mentions about that being where they all died. He begins praying the Our Father with multiple voices. She cuts him off that uh, he can't see the house or he can't see this house, explaining that if he could, then none of them would still be there. He Ugh. questions if Doris is still there. She nods her head. He apologizes for uh, for this happening to them, wanting them to come with him, promising to help them. He begins praying again. She floats up toward him, rapidly murmuring. The mother-daughter duo hear the commotion from inside the vent. Tom comes crawling back out. Alice calls to him, asking where Doris is. Without looking up, he answers that she's part of the walls now. Fuck. Mm. Yeah, this line, dude. That the delivery and everything. He's still kind of like crawling out, and he's like, "She's in, she's part of the walls now." It's uh, a creepy oh line. My yeah. God, with his eyes clouded white, he continues with the heinous smile um, that she told him the most wonderful, the wonderful and awful things. Oh my God, he has a sharp me- uh, medical instrument in his hand. He chases after them as they run upstairs. Alice being caught um, and the front door being locked for uh, for Lena. He slightly comes back to his senses. Alice calling out to him. He lowers the knife. His eyes cl- um, coming back to normal, closing the door to the basement, separating himself for, uh, from her. While catching his breath, he hears a creak. Door screams from the ceiling, mouth wide open, causing him to fly back and break his neck on this last step this is the only part i didn't like i didn't like his death it was kind of well pg-13 yeah is it because it felt lackluster to you or oh, just really like uh anticlimactic yeah yep. i i, uh, I, so could, I agree he calls out that. he gets back to his senses he's like nope dead yep like, mm, and she has telekinesis but never uses it again sure i would have loved not? like to see something like he got a cross out he was being blown away and then started getting lit on fire as he was trying to pray and then combusted or something. Yeah, a little bit more like... That sounds better than, oh, I broke my neck on the stairs. A little stairs. bit more of an honorable death. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Damn. It just seemed like, oh, that type of death? You broke your neck on a fucking stair. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Everyone's a critic. Alice makes it to Lena. <laughs> Alice makes it to Lena, telling her something that part, she's uh, all, uh, was already trying to do, telling her to get out of there. They stop when they hear Doris laughing from another room, looking over at the table, seeing the Ouija board untouched. Mm. Lena wonders about what they should do. Alice is about to answer, being before being thrown and dragged by an unseen force. She's about to run to her mother's aid before being grabbed by Mikey and slingshot over the stairs. This was the scariest shit ever. <laughs> Dude, I did not see this coming. Great. I loved it. Oh my yeah. god! I was like, dude. "What the fuck?" And it's low key, right? Like, yeah, there's no dude. setup. It's just, oh, it's, it's just great. Yeah, just from no. off screen. Yeah, so god good. damn, dude, that was so so good. It, it works so well because as Linda runs up, you know, you get the reestablishing shot that. Um, Mikey's hanging there right. to remind you. Like, oh yeah, he died. But yeah, <laughs> but he's not in the shot before it happens. He's just like, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of silly, but it's like crazy and you don't see it coming. You don't think that this is about right. to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's it, gone. He's out of the story. It, he comes back, fucking grabs her and slingshots her over to the like, railing. Well, the best what? part is that he's still like dead yeah, when he dead. does it. Like he, his eyes aren't open, like nothing. Like he's still like slumped over. What that insinuates though is that he's also part of the wall forever now too right that's sad yeah that sucks poor mikey should have been smarter she notices doris at <laughs> the bottom of the, of the stairs staring at um at her as she smiles she uh, chases after lena by crawling up the stairs with her mouth wide open back uh back to alice beca- 
excuse me, back to Alice becoming conscious again, moving to the stairs, seeing Doris whispering into Lena's ear. She tells her to stop it and to speak to her, calling herself a vessel, knowing that she can um, knowing that she can. Doris stops, speaking back with uh, with her voice oscillating, um, that uh, she's still a that she's a better vessel. Alice wonders uh, what she wants from her. Doris bluntly responds, voice. She offers to give uh, give her own voice, just wanting to leave her children alone, yelling for them to let it to let go and to take her instead. Mikey's body falls down, causing her to look at his limp body on the ground. Doris behind her, wanting to take all of them and putting her uh, putting her by the by the head. Or, excuse me, and pulling her by the head. Fate to uh, Alice being dragged into the basement by a grinning Doris. Lena is is placed back into her bed by the ghost of her father. She notices that it is him springing up uh, from her bed, calling, calling, excuse me, calling for him. He, he's gone. She notices her stitched doll, picking it up before reliving the scenario uh, of yelling at her sister about the doll. She gets up, looking around the room, her dad on the side of the bed, sobbing with, with her doll in uh, in his hands. Alice wakes up being cuffed to the table by Doris. It's really sad because mm-hmm. the actor that plays Roger their dad yeah does such a good job of like invoking that sadness right yeah. you can tell he's heartbroken to see his family going through this that also that he's stuck there oh is he sick he must be because he's there yeah. right yeah i assume he's stuck there too um which is interesting because it sounds like he got he died on the road right um but who knows maybe maybe not um but yeah it maybe even though spirit making his way back home yeah maybe and maybe he Actually, I think you might be right because it doesn't seem like because he, he's able to move on, which we'll see later with Doris. But like, um, even though his character has no dialogue, there's a lot of emotions being invoked. So, good job. I agree. She grabs a knife. Alice pleading for her to not do this, only wanting them to be able to speak to Roger again. The voices claim that he's gone, living in the dark and cold, screaming over and over. Lena shushes her by clocking her with the chair, commenting that he does that uh, he doesn't. She picks up a needle, apologizing to Doris. Doris screams, blowing Lena all the way back, knowing, uh, uh, knocking out Alice again. Excuse me. Uh, she struggles to get get back to her sister, but makes it to the, makes it on top of her, going to perform the sewing, um, and uh. An eye glows inside of her mouth. As she's being grabbed by by more dark creatures, she continues sewing Doris's mouth shut, flying backwards, being knocked unconscious when everything is said and done. Doris wakes up, not not quite sure where she is. She smiles warmly as as her dad appears. Alice wakes up, seeing Doris unconscious with her mouth sewn to the on the ground. She breaks her her hand by pulling it out from the chain to check on Doris. Nice to see that, uh, you know, we get more of those hand scenes in Mike Flanagan projects. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. A lot more vivid. <laughs> it just gradually got worse and worse. Whispering <laughs> no repeatedly as she uh, doesn't answer her back. That's the thing I do got to commemorate Mike Flanagan on. When he wants to get, like, gory with his shit, motherfucker does he. Yes. Like, goddamn, dude. 
While embracing and mourning her, Lena gets up claiming that she uh, has to stop the voices. She apologizes as she approaches her mother sitting next to her and um, and her sister's body. Touching her shoulder, Alice looks over at her, noticing that her eyes are are clouded, but it's too late. She stabs her mother, shifting Mm. back to her regular self, realizing that she's done. Checking checking on her mom as she as she sobs, Alice knowing that it wasn't her, it being uh, it being her own fault. True, uh, <laughs> she uh, she uses her last breath to say that she loves her, smiling as she softly calls for, uh, for her other daughter, Doris. Seeing both Doris and her late husband waiting and standing over her, she comments that every everyone is waiting before dying. Lena sobs hysterically that she's sorry as her mother uh, body lies limp. A doctor calls out to her, shifting to her being in a mental institution. He asked uh, he asked where she went off to just now. <laughs> She's like, I just played a whole movie in my head. I love this, <laughs> I love this reveal. She yeah. asked what they what they were talking about. He quickly reminds her that they were talking about her sister again. She acknowledges wondering what about her. Uh, he wants her to try and remind remind excuse me. Uh she he wants her to try and remember anything that will help them find her or her body. She releases a breath understanding. Um, thinking thinking that her her mother may know, he cuts her off, reminding her that her um that she's dead because of her. She understand she understands as he becomes more frustrated, explaining that she's been there for two months. Um, they can't find her sister and have a proper conversation about what happened to Alice. She clears her throat that the only thing that she uh, she can say about Alice is that she wanted to know that they were not alone of after her dad died. Um, and now she finally knows that they were never alone and she'll never be alone again. Love mm. that line. Lena is wheeled back into her room where she sits on her bed. She gets up, excuse me, uh, she gets up from her bed, ripping a corner of, of the carpet up, biting a piece of her skin to make her own Ouija board out of blood, breaking a piece of the eyeglass to turn her hand into a planchette. Yeah, gnarly. She asks uh, for Doris as she uh, lays her hand over the letters, asking if uh, if she's there, but nothing happens. The doctor is doing some rounds, passing up Lena's room, seeing Doris sitting next to her through the corner of his eye. He goes back to Lena standing directly in front of the window on the do- uh, on the door or uh, at the door. He approaches it, not noticing Doris walking on the ceiling toward him with glowing Ooh. eyes. Then credits what an ending but wait there's more in the after credit scene Lena is sitting in the wheelchair watching out of the window as time goes by she seemingly becomes older as she stares out of the window a knock on the door from the from the orderly calls out to her she uh, smacks her head he shares that she has a visitor who's claiming to be her niece she turns around smiling with a minor chuckle then the screen cuts to black Fuck yeah, dude. I'm going to watch Ouija. Sure, man. Go for (laughs) it. I I would say, you know, revisit it. I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are. I'd be curious, too. I just couldn't fucking get through it. How long? Uh, How long did you get in? Let's give it a a good try. Yeah. That's that's, a good try. I think it's harder to step back or step out of it 30 minutes in than 10 minutes in. True. Because, like, sunken time fallacy, right? You've already spent 30 minutes. Right. You got like what another hour to go? Exactly. That was it. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. it Must was just, be bad. It wasn't good, man. It was not good. Um, but this was great. This was this great. This was great. But it has me think, like, 
niece? Yeah. Who, who's, who, Dor- either- Doris had the kid? N- no, so it would either be, oh, actually. Yeah. Because Doris them- is her sister. Yeah. Is Doris still supposedly alive? You know what? We need to watch Ouija because maybe the kids are lying saying like, oh, that's my aunt. I think it was actually mm. her her aunt. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, that's what it is. Like uh, some canoodling happened right. that we didn't know. <laughs> canoodling with Father Tom, uh, but uh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got some motherfucking movie facts. Well, yep. movie, movie facts. facts. Hell yeah. The film was shot digitally, but director and editor Mike Flanagan, in order to add a retro feel to the film, added elements in post-production to give the appearance of a movie shot of the film. Those include the cigarette burns, marks that appear every 20 minutes or so, in the upper right corner of the frame, uh, which were used as a signal to change change of reels for the Mm -hmm. film projected. It looks great. I I think it adds such a great touch to the movie. The house used in the film is the exact same house as it appears in another horror film. Lights out. Oh, I totally (laughs) knew that. That makes so much sense. That was the movie I was thinking of. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That that living room room 100% is there. So it's interesting because I always had it in the back of my mind thinking like, I feel like this house, I've seen it many times before, but I kept thinking, oh, I'm probably just thinking of Ouija, but I didn't know Lights Out used it as well. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that movie, but I haven't seen it in a while. I love Lights Out. Love Lights Out. Um, Ouija is a trademark of Hasbro, but is often used as a generic term for any talking board. There is, oh, <laughs> uh, there are different theories for uh, where the name came from. Two very popular theories are the board itself told the creator what, what to name it. And the oh. creator came up with the name after combining the French and German words of yes, which is we, um, and ja, which is also yes. So yes, yes. Hmm. I like the first theory. That's scary. Yeah. The real Hasbro Ouija board does not contain the three instructions portrayed in the film. This Interesting. Is they it comes with a lot more. I really, I wonder where like a lot of the fear from Ouija boards came from because. Talking spirits? Well, I mean. <laughs> Hollywood. But, yeah. I, is it? Because like, I mean, I feel like in Hispanic culture, like, like we all right, are just the connection terrified of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to mess with it. But, but it's interesting that like, this is a Hasbro toy, right? Yeah. But it's seen as such a bad thing. Scary. Yeah. So I really, I, I would love to see like a documentary that talks on the history of like all that, its creation, how. Yeah. It, I, I want to say there, there's a documentary that talks about it like about like satanic panic. And uh, they mentioned some things about like Ouija boards and things like that, it. which is super interesting. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the concept is, is crazy because like. I think the big fear about it is like even though you're trying to reach someone, you can reach anybody. Right. And you don't know who's on the other line. Right. And that's the terrifying. It's just part. as scary as Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. True. Uh usually true the movie was shot with anamorphic lenses, which would have given the film a shooting aspect ratio of uh uh two point six six and cropped down to a much narrow as- aspect ratio of one point eighty five. Hmm. Words. Yeah. <laughs> and numbers. <laughs> numbers and words. Someone out there listening to this understands that. Um, all right, let's get a juicy one and then we'll conclude with that. 
Uh, Mike Flanagan oh. is, is in an interview uh, revealed that the original cut was 130 minutes long with 40 minutes removed from the final cut. Oh. Doug Jones's scenes are uh, as the devil's doctor were trimmed and removed entirely. Oh, I would love what to see fuck? that. Is there any way to see that? I don't know. Chelsea Gonzalez's scenes as Gloria were also cut and Kate Siegel had at least two more scenes which included another visit to Xander's and holy shit and she chokes her father. Whoa. Oh. Fuck. Maybe she got possessed when she came back? Check the Blu-ray. Yeah. Scenes that appear in the trailer but are missing from the final cut are Ginny choking her father to death, a scene of Doug Jones dressed as a doctor turning turning around slowly, and the highly um, advertised scene of Doris in the doorway giggling. Mm. Man, this uh, this movie is is so much fucking fun though. It is. So it looks like the Blu-ray. I mean, I I don't know how viable this source is, but. Has about ten deleted scenes. So, oh wow, yeah, maybe we're checking out. Yeah, I should. But yeah, I, I love this, this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy because I, I, it's been years since I watched it. I'm happy that I still enjoy it. I think yeah. just as much. It's a great movie. Yeah, that the first time watched, it blew my mind. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, super great flick. But we definitely want to keep this conversation going over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod, or you can hit us up on our Discord as well. We definitely want to keep these conversations going. By all means, go ahead and do that. But the next film that we are going to be covering next week is The Dark and the Wicked, which I'm very excited to revisit um, and to talk about. It's the first time this month so far um, where we're doing a movie I haven't seen yet. Right. Yeah. And last w- week, I didn't see the movie. That was my oh, first that's watch. Right. Yeah, that was the first time I was the only one who hadn't seen the film. <laughs> uh, but this was Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. The other in there, we have Freddie. Always coming to Spoopy. Welcome back. Nighty Welcome night. back. With your help, we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, please consider us giving five-star rating as it honestly does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's not with a one. Okay. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.